This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. In Isaiah chapter 7 and verse number 14, we're talking about the marvel of the virgin birth. And I want us to read this text together. I want you to look at it very carefully. The Bible says, For the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Is it hard for you to believe that we're in the Christmas season already? I want you to think about that just for a moment. I mean, even with all the changes that we have had to make this year in our own personal life and uh, the uncountable changes that we have had to make in the church world. And I shared a little bit with the Wednesday night service, and there were uh, several people here for that, and I thank God for it, and I'm sure there were many watching by internet. But uh, I remember, and I've referred to this occasionally because it it's very sentimental to me. Because I remember when COVID first broke out, so to speak. We really didn't know much about it then, as much as we know about it now, I would say. But I can remember back in those early days of hearing about this, where we started broadcasting our services from my house. And uh, Adam and Corey, Gail and Jordan, they would bring all of the equipment to the home and they would set it up, and there's probably a story behind every episode. There, there were times when we were we could, we cannot live stream when we do it from my home, but we can Facebook. And I can remember several things that stand out in my mind. And I'm telling you, they had these professional cameras, and they had studio lights, and and, and the uh, I call them umbrellas type of thing that takes the shadows off of the wall and. Uh, helps my face not to shine too much, which we forgot to do this morning. But anyway, it's it's really me and David sit back here in the choir room, and our makeup girl comes back there, and she gets us all ready so the bright lights that we have doesn't shine on the camera for the people that are watching. You don't get the bright side of that, but they do. So uh, pardon us today. We're not all together this morning. But I can remember several things like that. One night particularly when we were ready, it was five minutes and the countdown was on, the opening song was playing. And right as we were getting ready, I was in the position to welcome everybody to the service and we had a light to explode four minutes from going on. And I could tell you many stories such as that. But back in those early days when we had all of that going on. And then after those particular services, we had to take all that stuff down and take it out to the car and they would have to bring it back to the church. And then I'm glad that we were able to eventually get the platform people working on the on the stage and we were able to bring the service to you. But I think about that and all of the hard work that's going on behind the scenes to make all of this effective for the glory of God and for your blessing. And though it seems to me when I think about all those incidents, those many, many, many days 
of yesterday, all the adjustments, all the sacrifices, everything that we've been through. It seems to me, and I don't know about you, that Christmas has come to us in a flash. When COVID first came out, we had just ended our weekend with Brother Jamie Ragor. Brother Randy Perry was starting the next weekend. We allowed him. We, we had Sunday morning service, and then uh, by the evening time, they had reduced the number of meetings, so we had to cancel the rest of the meeting. But I look back on all of that stuff, and yet Christmas still seems like, to me, from last Christmas, that it has still come to us in a flash. I don't know if that's just me or if you can sense that because we've been through so much. When I was a child, it seemed like it would take forever for Christmas to get here. But now here we are once again. And I hope that you're keeping in mind, and I emphasize this strongly, and please, if you're listening or watching from home, let this soak in today. I hope that we're keeping in mind as Christmas, the season is upon us, keep in mind that the celebration of Christmas is not about a day. If Christmas was only about a day, then you would be maybe justified in saying happy holidays if that's all it was about. I detest when people say happy holidays to me. I, I never get in an argument with them. Never, ever, but we've come in, into a policy in our home and I hope that I've taught you well by now that when people say to you happy holidays, you, you say, well, what holiday? And if they were to say, well, it's Christmas. Well, what does Christmas mean? Does it mean a partridge in a pear tree? By the way, I've never heard of one of you. I don't know where that came from. I really didn't even know until this week. I asked my granddaughter, we were coming to the school, and I said, look up the word partridge for me. What does that mean? What is a partridge in a pear tree? But sometimes you think about all of that stuff, and, and I'm not against any of the fun side of it. Believe me, I'm the biggest clown of them all when it comes to the fun side. I love it. I do the part. I can remember like it was five minutes ago. Jordan won't appreciate this, but this is truth. He's standing back there working the camera today. But I remember when he was about four years old and we were sitting at the kitchen table one night and we had enjoyed a meal. And I just read back. It was Christmas time. I just read back and I said, and he came around the table. He stared my eyes for about 30 seconds before he said a word. He looked in my face and he said, Bobby, are you Santa Claus? <laughs> I said, don't tell anybody. I, I love it. I love all of that stuff. I love the fun side of Christmas. But we have to be very careful in our world as Christians we have to understand that Christmas is not just about a day, but it's about the commemoration of a birth, the birthday of a king. And I want you to think about this. It's very important that all of us who claim to be a child of God, who claim to be born again, and that meaning that, in fact, this is something that we have to explain, I think, a lot of in today. What does it mean to be a child of God? People call them Christians 
themselves Christians over really, they don't have any beliefs. They just say, oh, I'm a Christian. Well, what does that mean? They don't really have an answer for you. But listen, if you claim to be a child of God, and that meaning that you have accepted Jesus Christ to be your Lord and your Savior, then you have to firmly believe that through the providence and sovereignty of Almighty God and in the fullness of time, God sent forth his only begotten son to be the savior of the world. And so we have to remember that we are not just celebrating simply a day, but we are celebrating the birthday of a king and we're celebrating how he got here through the virgin birth. We don't worship Mary, but we acknowledge that Jesus was born of a virgin. The first thing that I want to share with you today, if you're looking on your notes from the handout this morning, is that the scripture leaves no doubt and speculation as to what type of birth this was. Over and over throughout the word of God, the Bible speaks of and we are told that Jesus was born of a virgin. I believe the most important doctrine echoed in many great Christmas carols you can find this doctrine mentioned. And Rhea sang the first verse so beautifully just a moment ago. You're very familiar with these words, but I don't know if you've stopped to take in sometime the doctrine. Many songwriters of yesterday, I believe with all of my heart, were moved by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to give us some of the most beautiful, sacred, gospel Christmas songs that have ever been written. And if you take time to listen to the words that you sing about, you can find the doctrine in this silent night, holy night. All is calm, all is bright. Listen, round young virgin, mother and child. So in that wonderful Christmas carol that we're all familiar of, the songwriter took time to mention that wonderful doctrine. And there's no doctrine in all of the world that has been more ridiculed than the doctrine of the virgin birth. The scripture declares, and I want to give you three things real quickly here. The virgin birth declares the prophecy of scriptures. It was a fulfilled prophecy, and I want to reiterate Isaiah chapter 7, verse number 14 once again. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So understand this. In the virgin birth, it was a prophecy and keep this in mind, 750 years before Jesus went to the cross, Isaiah made this declaration, he made this prophecy. Not only did he prophesy that Jesus would be born of a virgin 750 years before Calvary, but he also prophesied his death. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we were healed. 750 years before Jesus was born, Isaiah made this declaration. And so the virgin birth was not only a prophecy, but it was also a sign. In Luke chapter 2, verse number 12, the word says this, and you can find these scriptures much quicker on the screen than you can turn. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And so it was a prophecy. It was a sign and the virgin birth was a manifestation. This is what is called, listen carefully now, I'm teaching you some important doctrine this morning all along the way. The virgin birth is 
a cardinal doctrine of the faith, but it also declares the incarnation, which is an important doctrine of our faith, the incarnation of Jesus Christ. And what is that? What is the incarnation of Jesus Christ? This is a doctrine that all of you need to be familiar with. In John chapter 1, verse number 14, learn this carefully. And the word was made flesh. So this is a doctrine that we adhere to in our Christian faith. The incarnation of Jesus Christ. That the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth. Now somebody might ask the question, well, pastor, why did Jesus Christ have to come in the flesh to begin with? You think about this. The answer is found in Matthew chapter 1, verse number 21. And I hope these are listed on your bulletin this morning. I know that uh, we put several scriptures down there, and I want you to take some good notes this morning. But in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, the answer is found. And she shall bring forth the son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Listen carefully. Why did Jesus Christ come to this earth in the flesh? Why? Here's the answer. For he shall save his people from their sins. Also in Luke chapter 19, verse number 10, the Bible says this. For the son of man is come. Why did Jesus come in the flesh? The Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. And that required, listen, for Jesus to come in the flesh for the incarnation to take place. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That was necessary because in the process of redemption, that required the shedding of blood of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. So there's some important doctrine wrapped around the first thing we're talking about this morning, and I hope that you let it sink down deep in your heart. Number two, one of the most important things to remember about the virgin birth is this, and you're going to have to really let this sink in today. You're going to have to think about it. You're going to have to absorb it, but I want you to understand it, that without the virgin birth, listen carefully, we could not have had a savior. No human child on this earth could have died for sin. And listen carefully, Jesus did not come to this earth just to receive glory, which he received. He did not come to this earth just to be praised but he was definitely praised. He didn't come to this earth to be famous where people would write songs and poems about him, although many songs and poems are really wonderful songs that we sing here in the church house. But none of those things are the reason, the primary reason Jesus came. He came to die on the cross for our sins. He came on the mission the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sin. So I want you to understand this. If he had not come and if he was not virgin born, then we could not have had a savior. You see, God could have, because he's omnipotent, God, and that means all powerful. God could have, because he's God, 
and he's omnipotent, he could have if he had wanted to. He could have created the songbird when the songbird flies through the air to echo the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, if he had wanted to, he could do any and anything. He could have chosen a mountain where the snow caps were on top and when the sun of the day would come up and it would melt that snow on the mountain, God could have wanted to because he's omnipotent. He could have allowed the water to melt where it would run down the mountain where it would form great rivers or streams at the bottom and through that process echo the good news of the gospel. If God had wanted to because he's omnipotent, now only if he had wanted to because he's God, he could have allowed the wind that blows through the trees to echo the sound of the gospel. But God didn't want to do that because he couldn't do that. The only thing that could save man was his royal blood. And the only way to get that to you and I was to send Jesus to this earth. The incarnation had to happen. The word became flesh. He had to be virgin born. And here's the reason why. Number three, look at it real carefully. I want to remind you that it was and it still is sin that separates us from God. So why was Jesus Christ virgin born? Listen now, sin separates us from God. It has always separated us from God. In Romans 6, 23, the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. This is not just talking about a physical death. This is talking about a spiritual death. Do you remember when Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden and God said the day that you eat of the forbidden fruit, he said, thou shalt surely die. Well, when Adam and Eve went to that forbidden tree and picked that fruit and ate, they did not drop dead immediately. Although the sentence of human death was passed on to them as a result of that rebellion, but the act of what they did, this act of disobedience, the sin of disobeying God, it separated man from the fellowship that God had originated in the garden. He said, the day that you eat thereof, it's going to separate us. And sin separated us in the garden. Sin separates us now. And listen carefully. And many that are watching today, I know that you agree because not only are you watching our service, but I know that you're watching others uh, all over America as well. And if you are staying close to God in that way, praise the Lord. But let me remind you of something, that sin is a word that many people do not like to talk about anymore. In fact, there are many churches that are no longer preaching on sin. The truth of the matter is that there are many preachers in America today that no longer believes that we are sinners. They say that sin, and when you talk about people being sinners, that offends people. That's not politically correct for the day in the society that we live in. They say that that word is out of date. They say this thing of sin and calling people sinners, that it's, it's out of touch. It doesn't resonate anymore. In fact, one very well-known pastor the pastor of a mega church, I'm not going to mention his name this morning, but recently was interviewed by Larry King. And this is what he said in that conversation. He said, 
We are no longer sinners. We shouldn't tell people that they're sinners. Most of you know who I'm talking about. But let me clarify something today. Listen carefully. And those of you that are watching this morning, to say that a man or a woman is no longer a sinner is a mockery to the nail-scarred hands of Jesus. Here's the problem with pastors and teachers who believe that we no longer need to teach about sin, that sin is out of date. Here's the problem with pastors who says that we no longer need to call people sinners. Here's the problem. If so-called Christians say that we need to drop this word called sin, if we need to drop the doctrine from the Bible that all men are sinners, listen carefully. If we are not sinners then we cannot be saved. I want you to understand that. And that ought to put all of this crowd into check, those that are watching by internet and any preacher or pastor or teacher who's peddling that kind of doctrine, it ought to put you in check this morning as well because Jesus Christ himself said, now let me ask you, does it matter what Jesus said? Does it matter? I mean, if you're going to drop the word sin, if you're going to adopt the, drop the doctrine that we were all born into this world sinners uh, and even calling people sinners, if we're going to do away with all of that stuff, then listen, we're going to have to do away with the Bible. And I ask the question, does it matter what Jesus said? Jesus said this in Luke chapter 5, verse number 32, and I say this to anybody that believes that we have outdated this word sin. Jesus said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And I would say to any preacher, if the word sin or sinner was okay for Jesus to use, it's certainly okay for us to use. No matter what people say, the fact remains that we're all sinners. The human race is totally engulfed in total depravity. We are sinners by conception, we are sinners by birth, and we are sinners by choice. And there's no way to get around that. And it's our sin that has separated us from God. And without salvation, listen carefully, every single one of us would die and go to hell. By the way, that's another doctrine people are dropping today. The doctrine of a literal hell. Don't get confused, friend. There's a literal hell, just like there's a literal heaven. There's a literal God, just like there's a literal devil. Don't, listen, don't get sucked up into all of this modern day uh, new world type of ideas, this politically correct stuff. You stick with the book. You stick with the Bible. That's one thing that Bruce Jock told me when I was in his home just a few days ago. He said, preacher, and he was sitting there holding that rocker, and he was saying with a very, you heard, you've heard him yell, well, glory, many times from the back. He, he's, you've heard him say it here from the front. He, I would have him speak at times from the pulpit. And uh, many of you have gone through his soul winning classes. Many of you. And he mentioned you to me, Debbie. He said, Debbie was one of my best students that I ever had. But he said this to me while he was holding on to that walker. He said, preacher, I want to thank you for never getting away from the book. He said, I want to thank you for always preaching the word. You think about this just for a moment. Our sin has separated us from God. Every single one of us would die and go to hell without Christ. And you need to know that. 
There's no way to skirt around that issue. It, it doesn't matter when it comes down to your works, what you do or how you do it. If we do not have a savior and if we have not acknowledged our sin and confessed our sin and repented of our sin and we have not received Jesus Christ to be our Lord and savior, then we are in eternal trouble. We have to understand that. Now, I want us to consider this today, and it's the last point this morning, number four, real quickly. You have it on, in your hand right before you, and I want you to see this. What is it that qualifies Jesus to be the Savior? What is it? Well, first of all, he's the only begotten Son of God. That in itself disqualifies any other person that's ever been born on the face of this earth. Only God's blood could have atoned for sin. Only Jesus could be that person who could bring salvation to us, God's royal blood. And so God sent Jesus to be born of a virgin. And being born of a virgin means this. Jesus never for one moment participated in Adam's fallen nature. The word of God says that he was perfect. He was complete without sin. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 15, the word says, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are. But notice this, yet without sin. There has never been another person on the face of this earth that that could be said of. He was without sin. Hebrews 13, 11, for the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin and burned without the camp. Only Jesus Christ could have done that. And, and listen to this. Jesus is what the, this virgin birth thing, this is what Jesus said about his purity and his holiness. Listen, in John 8, 29, the word says, and he sent, and he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone. Look at this very carefully. What qualifies Jesus to be the Savior? Through his virgin birth, look at this. We are reminded of his perfection and his holiness. But notice this. He said, for I always do. Look at that. I always do those things that please him. Now, there's never been another human being on the face of the earth that can say this. I sure wish I could say it. I sure wish Danny taught a wonderful Sunday school lesson today, by the way, about how important it is to maintenance and maintain our personal character and integrity and, and conduct and behavior as believers. I, I sure wish that I had a squeaky clean track record. I'm sure you wish that. There's not a person alive that can say this, for I do always those things that please him. Never has there been any other human being that could say that, but the only person that can is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the thing that qualifies him. And listen, not only did Jesus say that about himself, but God the Father said the very same thing about him. If you remember when Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan, the word says this in Luke chapter 3, verse 22, and the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my son, look at this, in thee I am well pleased. God the Father himself declared the holy, the purity of the perfection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let me say this at Christmas time. It's not just about 
celebrating a day is the commemoration of a birth, the birth of a king, the birth of a king who was virgin born. Don't let Jesus only be a baby simply in the manger to you. And don't ever be confused to think for one moment that this right here is where the life of Jesus began. Don't think that for one minute. Don't lose sight of this great spiritual truth. Listen carefully. When any other baby is born on this earth, it's a beautiful creation of a brand new personality. It's a personality that has never existed before. But when Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem of Judea, it was not the creation of a new personality. It was the coming into this world of a person who had existed from all eternity. The birth of Jesus is about the glorious incarnation. Jesus has always been. He did not have his beginning in Bethlehem's manger. I want you to see three scriptures real quickly. And John 1, 1, through the process, listen now, of time, we were introduced to the Lord Jesus in the flesh. But I want you to know that was not where he had his beginning. He did not have his beginning through the process of time. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In an Old Testament passage, in Micah chapter 5, verse number 2, it might be a little difficult for you to find that, so I want you to read it on the screen with me. But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel. Look at this very carefully whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. Jesus did not begin in the manger. He was in the beginning with God. The word says from old, from everlasting. And I want you to see a beautiful thought here. Turn your Bibles back to the main text this morning, but look at Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 6. This was precious to me as I was reviewing it this week. I want you to get the same blessing that I did. Look at this. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now, when you read it quickly like that, it can easily go over your head, and you can quote this verse and not really pick out the jewels. But I want you to see this. A child is born and a son is given. Mary gave birth, but God gave a son. One of the most favorite things that I enjoy about Christmas time is to really meditate on the words of these great Christmas songs. And in our Christmas Eve service, we've got some great singing lined up, which we hope you'll come and enjoy. But there's a very special Christmas carol that coincides with Silent Night that talks about the virgin birth, round young virgin, mother and child. And you may have never picked this up before because sometimes we can stand and sing songs from repetitious perspectives and we never get the message. But I asked Brother Justin to do something very important for me in this part of the message and I want to conclude here and I want to ask our musicians to come forward. There's a very special Christmas carol, one of my favorites. It's called Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And the second verse 
to that song is impacted with so much doctrine about the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus. And so, Justin, I don't know if you can get that on the screen for me, but I want you to look at this. This is the second verse. And I want you to see the doctrine in this beautiful Christmas carol. Christ by highest a heaven adored. Christ the everlasting Lord. You remember what we just read? From old, from everlasting. You remember that scripture? I'm going to share with you next Sunday. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but what? Have everlasting life. Christ the everlasting Lord. Look at this. Late in time, behold him come. Offspring of the virgin's womb. Now notice this. Veiled in flesh, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, John 1, 14. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. That's another doctrine. Listen, we here at Buford Row, we believe in the gospel. We believe in the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's the Godhead, the three in one. In the scripture in Genesis, when the word said, and let us make man in our own image, that word us is a triune word, meaning three. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We believe in the Trinity. Veiled in the flesh, the Godhead see. Look at this. Hell, the carnate, incarnate deity. Look at that. The word became flesh. Deity, he is the only begotten son of God. And he became flesh incarnate. John 1.14. Pleased with us in flesh to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel. God with us. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. When we stand and we sing these Christmas carols, please understand what you're singing. Doctrine is so important. We just don't believe everything that comes down the highway. We have to take the word, rightly dividing the truth, study the scriptures, search the scriptures. But doctrine is something that we cannot be wrong in. We have to be right. This right here is impacted with so much doctrine. I pray it's a blessing to you. Now, as we close our service this morning, the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, listen carefully, sets him apart from any other human being that has ever been born on the face of this earth. If Jesus had not come, and if we were not sinners, we would not have a Savior, and we could not be saved. Don't forget that. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, Visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.